Welcome to What to Expect When You're Electing, the Samara Center for Democracy's one-stop shop to get you election ready. At the Samara Center, we know how noisy, frustrating, and confusing elections can be. We also know how hard it is to get trustworthy and nonpartisan information about elections. So we're here to help. Each week, me, your host, Yvonne Sue, program manager here at the Smart Center, will be joined by a guest, and together we'll take you on a journey through the entire election experience. For those of you who don't know the Samara Center, we are a nonpartisan charity dedicated to strengthening Canada's democracy. If that work sounds important to you, please consider donating to the Samara Center because unlike the other podcasts you're listening to, this one is not sponsored by a mattress company. So throw your dollars at us. We'll take it and put it towards strengthening our democracy. This week on our podcast is Samara Center's Senior Research Associate, Paul Thomas. How are you doing, Paul? Uh, great. It's, I'm glad to be here. Are you uh, ready to talk to us about where to find information about parties, candidates, and election issues, and how to avoid being misled by that information? I can't wait. All right, let's go. Where should I look for information on who to vote for? Well, as we said in uh, last week's edition of what to expect when you're electing, there's no way to know everything about all of the issues or all of the candidates that are coming up uh, for the vote. Mm-hmm. But there's some good places for, to start. Um, so one of the, the first things uh, is to look at the party websites themselves. Uh, as much as you do vote for a local candidate, uh, the parties are the ones that develop the platforms that most of the campaign will be fought on. And if you go to their websites, they should hopefully include uh, their platform documents. And also, they should have a section where you can find out who is running for that party in your local community. And so this is really important to look beyond just the party leaders, mm-hmm. but also see who is going to be the person in your community who might represent that party. Right. Um, and what's kind of fun, actually, in the election is that some of those local candidates might actually come to your door. Oh, wait, Paul, is that allowed? Funny story is that it actually is illegal to prevent an election candidate or their representatives from coming into an apartment building, from coming to a knock on your door. Election, I did not know that. Uh, while door-to-door salespeople might not have that right, election candidates always do. Mm. And so expect to have somebody showing up. Um, or to come home from being out and see a flyer on your door. And that's a great opportunity, actually, to ask some questions to the local candidates mm-hmm. um, or their volunteers about what's going to happen. And one thing we recommend at Samara is to keep a list of questions right by the door so that you're not sort of fumbling when the door opens. And we even have a reverse door knocker, so that you, something that you can put on the door handle on the inside to ask some questions about where, what they would do to strengthen Canadian democracy. That's super cool. Well, what about people who want to learn and get information from the TV? So, uh, coming soon to a TV near you is going to be the, uh, the National Party Leader Debates. Uh, so this is the first election we've had where rather than the different uh, TV stations and online platforms each coming up with different debate formats, We now have something called the Debates Commission, Mm -hmm. and they are planning two leaders' debates, uh, one in English on October 7th and one in French on October 10th. And these will be the sort of marquee events, the biggest events, where the leaders will be debating each other and discussing national issues. They'll be facing off. Facing off, uh, take no prisoners debates, 
uh, hopefully uh, kind and civil, but oftentimes they do get a bit heated. Um, hopefully it will be interesting television, but even more so, hopefully they'll get at some serious questions and you'll be able to see how the leaders handle pressure. Uh, there's also going to be a few other debates that are organized uh, by independent groups. One has already happened, which was the McLean's debate mm-hmm. on September 12th. But there's uh, one coming up from an organization called the Monk Debates on Canadian Foreign Policy, and a French uh, network, TVA, will be airing one as well. And what about people who want to see this action, these debates, in real life? So, the within each constituency, there's going to be local debates as well, where the party candidates uh, face off, sort of a miniature version of the leaders' debates, and look at how those national platforms might apply in the local community. And also a bit about their own experience, their own values, and that sort of thing. Uh, There's no official system to organize these, so it's a bit harder to find out. Um, But if you Google uh, the name of your constituency and debate, you can probably find something. And what about news? Everybody watches the news, so where can they get information? Well, throughout the campaign, the national sort of news networks are going to be following the leaders around, uh, going where they go, broadcasting the policy announcements they make. And that's a great way to keep on top of the campaign as it unfolds. They're also going to have uh, platform analysis where they'll take a dive into what each party will do on different issues and also compare across. Um, One thing that will be a bit harder is to get information on your local candidates. So if you live in sort of a mid-sized city, you might have a a local TV evening news Mm -hmm. uh, that might feature some local candidates' debates. But in a lot of places around the country, local papers are in trouble. Mm -hmm. They're not getting the ad revenue they used to. And so you're not going to have the same local journalism. So if you can find it, that's great. But it may be a bit harder than it has been in the past to find information on your local candidates. Okay, well, what about apps? I mean, people have apps, news apps on their phones now. Yeah, and news apps are another great way. So often the main benefit is it pulls in information from across multiple news sources. So you can get CBC and the Globe and Mail and the Mm. National Post all in one place. Uh, The one thing to keep in mind with those apps is that even from the very first story you look at, uh, the algorithm tries to guess what things you like. Mm -hmm. So if the first story you clicked on was something about how the Conservatives had a great platform on one issue, you might see more positive news about the Conservatives going forward, or vice versa, about the Liberals, or what have you. And so you can wind up quickly into what's called as an echo chamber, mm-hmm. where the app is only feeding you news that's similar to the news you already read. And so every now and again, it's important to try to seek out news that might have a different point of view, just to make sure you're not getting into a bit of a bubble. Mm-hmm. And most people are doing that online. So can you tell me a bit more about the online space and how do we get information online? So one thing that's happened um, in the last few elections are these online uh, matchmaking platforms. Uh, the most well-known one is called Vote Compass, which is mm-hmm. run in partnership with the CBC. And you go to the platform, answer a series of questions about different issues, and it tries to match you with whichever party you're closest to. Mm-hmm. And so if you're really compressed for time, it can be a helpful way to try to figure out, or at least start your, your journey into figuring out what party to vote for. Different advocacy organizations also have their own online platforms or might do an analysis of the platforms on different issues. Uh, Here at Samara, we have our Stronger Democracy platform where Mm -hmm. we're encouraging candidates to think about different things. And of course, there's social media Mm -hmm. uh, where you're going to be able to see posts from candidates or party leaders themselves, 
uh, from what your friends are saying. Um, what's important to keep in mind, though, is that social media can also be influenced by fake accounts, um, by bots, which are automated accounts that are designed to sort of inflate um, the appearance that a certain story is trending. And so social media can be a little, it can be good, but also you have to be a savvy consumer as you're looking at it. Right. Well, speaking of that, the question everyone is asking this election is, how can I know the information I'm getting is trustworthy? Uh, it's really hard. Uh, and even seasoned journalists every now and again are duped by an article that looks real. Yeah. Um, what is the, there's no surefire way, but there's some questions you can ask yourself. Uh, so the first thing is to look is who wrote the piece of the article or who created the content that mm -hmm. you're seeing. Um, and this is important to remember whether it's an actual news story or even just a meme that you're seeing on social media. Right. Um, who is it a, a professional journalist? Is it somebody at home? And just remember that the content you're seeing um, might be shaped by who is making it. So if someone is a professional journalist, they're probably going to be approaching it in a different way than somebody in their basement just playing around with Photoshop. Uh, there's also the question of what kind of content it is. So remember that there's you can hopefully tell on Facebook what's a paid advertisement and what's not. Same on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, is it a news article or is it an op-ed that's sharing an opinion? Um, or is it just a meme or something? Because you should try to engage with those different things in different ways. Um, and the main thing here is to go beyond the headline. So the headlines are often twisted to try to make something sound as sensational as possible. And when you get into the details, it may not be quite what it appeared at the first. Right. That could be hard. Yeah. And this is the challenge where knowing as well if a news source has established a reputation as being trustworthy can be different than one that only seems to have been set up yesterday. So knowing where the content came from. Mm -hmm. um, you also might want to see how other news organizations have covered the same event. So if one is about how a particular party leader crashed and burned and was booed, mm -hmm. you may want to check, okay, are all the news organizations reporting the same thing? And weirdly, one challenge that keeps coming up now is news that's not fake, but is being recycled. So sometimes you see stories that were actually from several years ago mm -hmm. being reposted and the headline makes it look like it's re responding to something that's happening today. Right. Uh, but it's actually not. It's from five, ten, even more years ago. And so it's important to double check the date just to make sure you're not being led into thinking something was about politics today when it was actually from the past. So this is not fake news. This is not currently true news. Yes. Which is weird because it's, it's harder to detect. It looks credible and it is actually about something that's real. Um, but it may not be. It's taken out of context. Right. Um, and this all gets back to the final thing about why is someone sharing things. So if a particular organization has a lot of memes about why we need to build more pipelines or why we shouldn't build more pipelines, it's important to check into, oh, one of it, it's a paid lobby group for the pipeline industry or it's an environmental group. So knowing who's posting things and what their agenda is can help a great deal. Um, and finally, the main thing to keep in mind is what do these people do? What do the content creators do when someone points out if something's wrong? Mm. So if they're unwilling to change, if they're unwilling to admit a mistake, or if they engage in a hostile fashion with anyone who criticizes, that might not be a good sign that they're a credible organization. Wow, that's a lot to take in. So you've got the various W's, the who, what, where, when, why, and you've got the how. 
Yeah, just to make it as tricky as possible. <laughs> and again, you can't necessarily do this for every article, but just if something, in some ways, the things, one thing to look for is if something is, seems designed to make you feel angry or outraged, those are the stories you almost want to check more thoroughly because it might be designed just for that purpose, to get more emotion um, because people will have a stronger reaction mm -hmm. to headlines that seem controversial. Mm -hmm. Well, those are all great tips. And uh, I'm going to ask you for a few more because we have some additional questions from our amazing Samara supporters and fans out there. Jillian from Vancouver says, when she's looking at party websites, they all kind of look the same. So how can she objectively evaluate them? Well, the platforms do kind of look the same. Uh, all of them say that they have a plan for making Canada better. All of them say that they are in it for you. Mm -hmm. And so one way of looking at it is to go and check out some of the news organizations that take a step back and see how the platforms compare across an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing to do is, though, is see platforms can be really long. Um, some of them are over 100 pages. Oh, wow. So there's a difference between what's in the platform that might sound great and what the leaders are actually prioritizing in their speeches. Mm -hmm. If something is tucked away on page 83 of a platform and the leader has never spoken about it during the campaign, that might be a sign it's not going to be a top priority. So it's something to keep in mind as you're going forward that parties may not be able to do everything they promise and likely what they talk about most during the campaign is going to be the first thing on their agenda. That's also really good to know. And the last question comes from Scott from Halifax. And he says, politicians are very good at not answering your questions. So what tips do you have for people when dealing with door knockers or when they want to ask a question at a local debate? So I'll say, in fairness to the people who come knocking on your door or candidates, it is hard to know everything about what the government of Canada does. Uh, you're just one person and that's why uh, cabinets are made up of different ministers, one for defense, one for what have you, to know about these issues. That said... One of the ways to get past talking points and actually get some concrete answers is to ask a concrete question. Mm. So if you can make a question not about what will you do to improve healthcare in Canada, but try to tie it to your specific local hospital or look at a particular condition. What will you do for patients who are here who have been failed? Um, it's harder for them to brush it off because it's about a personal experience. Mm -hmm. And it also leads to going beyond a talking point and getting at actual changes and how the money will trickle down to a particular organization or how a policy will change. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up next, you want to talk about what at the dinner table? Advice on how to have those sometimes difficult but always important discussions about politics. Still have questions? Want to learn more? Go to SamaraCanada.com or email us at info at SamaraCanada.com. Or hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or the Instagrams. If you have questions, I'll force my guests to answer them. That's all for today. This is Yvonne Sue. Thank you for listening.